Welcome to Conversations from the Edge of Consciousness. I'm your host, Christine Madeira. For me, and possibly for you, the inner world of consciousness has always been much more real and way more fun than the so-called real material world. Growing up, I thought I was alone in this, but I'm not. There are a lot of us, and far too many have no one to talk to who shares this experience. I've been lucky to cultivate a community of friends who love to talk about the energies, ideas, and vibrations that are pushing the edges of our own consciousness, as well as our collective consciousness. In Conversations from the Edge, we share our conversations with you. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge. This is your host, Christine Madera, and we are back today with Jana Romer. And Jana is an astrologer and a yogi who has synthesized 20 years of study and teaching of astrology and yoga nidra to create astro nidras, which is a lying down meditation where the body really relaxes and the awareness remains online. And you're able to do some very deep body and mind work and incorporate astrology into that. So what we talk about with Janet is how astrology works in the body, but also how astrology can be kind of like a life coach as we move through the various seasons of the Zodiac. So today we're going to be talking about cancer. So let's just start by welcoming Janet. It's so nice to have you back. Well, thank you so much for having me. I just love our conversations and love that we're making this a regular thing. <laughs> oh, me too. And I'm learning so much because um, I, astrology has always interested me, but truly the way that you approach it is uh, makes it much more fun and interesting and it, it sticks a little bit better than it does uh, in other ways that I've, I've looked at it before. So I really appreciate you bringing your expertise and your insight and just the depth and the breadth of knowledge and, and experience you have to our conversations. So, I, so thank you very much. Mm, thank you. I find the depth available within astrology really exists as you learn to embody it and bring it into your life. There's something to be said about these themes that we go through cyclically together as earthlings. <laughs> cancer season is such a perfect example of that because cancer season, when the, when the sun moves into cancer, it is also the summer solstice if you live in the northern hemisphere. If you're in the southern hemisphere, it's the winter solstice. And so in either case, either hemisphere that you're in, it's either the longest day or it's the longest night. You know, it, it's a time of renewal. It's a time of new beginnings. In cancer season specifically, though, too, something that I love and I, I actually really like pulling in the southern hemisphere with all of the the signs because they're in opposite weather than us is that cancer itself the archetype lives in the belly and the breasts in a female gendered body it will specifically live in the womb we talk about the the cancer archetype as being the mother mm -hmm. but not just any mother it's the divine mother. It's like the ultimate nurturer. It's the, the place where if we look at the zodiac from the perspective of Aries being the baby and Taurus being the crawler, exploring the world through their senses and Gemini being the first vocalization of why, why, why in cancer season. Now, all of a sudden, 
the the little one is teaching you how they need to be loved and oftentimes what we see in motherhood around the age of five and six and seven this is where parents will start to experience a different kind of um like they're having to adjust their parenting again. <laughs> okay, now my kid has different needs. They're in kindergarten. <laughs> How do I let go and let my child go to kindergarten? Now they have their own life. I have to make sure that they're well-resourced and they know they're loved unconditionally so they can have confidence to go out into the world and be themselves. And at the same time, we have to create a, a, like a mama bear boundary for them where they can feel safe to emote that mm -hmm. when they go out into the world and they start to learn about relationships that are not of your inner circle, that sometimes the world is harsh and cruel and you can come home and you're going to be safe at home and you can tell me about your troubles and I'm going to hold you safe and you can tell me about the things that I don't want to know and I'm still going to love you anyways. You know, like that's wow. the stage of life of cancer. You said it so perfectly. And, you know, how nice if we all had 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 that at that age. It's not always what you perceive, even if it's what if even if it's what your parents you know think that they're bringing. It's not always the, the perception on that level. That's a really good point that you bring up, because sometimes we many times we don't get the childhood that we want or our mother doesn't show up in the way that we need to be loved. And mm -hmm. so in our adulthood, we have to learn how to reparent ourselves. Biggest core work that we do in our life oh my goodness i just got full body chills saying this is to heal our mother wound and to forgive mm. our mothers and to learn how to love them as a person not the mother to release them of the responsibility of being the one to nurture you as you learn to nurture yourself if we get it when we're a kid wow you're so emotionally privileged you know like you're so privileged to have a mother that actually could create a safe space and that could nurture your emotions and hold you sacred and not reject you and accept you no matter how you show up that is that is such a privilege and if you didn't then cancer season is our time to give that to ourselves and then also teach other people how we need to be loved. And I would imagine there's an element in there about learning how to love ourselves as wow. well, because oftentimes that's, you know, part of the core wounds around love is the inability or unwillingness to love ourselves unconditionally and to, to accept all of us. Absolutely. And if we look at this from an elemental perspective, Aries was initiatory fire. It was the beginning of spring. Taurus was fixed earth. I always like to think of um, backtracking to Taurus for a second, but I like to think of Taurus, you know, this relationship with gravity. How do I get up and crawl and how do I stand up? You know, like there's <laughs> something there and it's like you're fixed on the earth and you're learning how to rebel against that fixedness. Gemini, it's all about the mind and the inquisitive nature of the mind and it's an air sign and how quickly the mind changes as it takes in new information. And then cancer is cardinal water and so it's the waters of initiation it's the waters that bring new life and so i think of this as the amniotic fluid mm -hmm. that is the fluid in your mother's womb 
and this is you're in the dark you know like all life begins in a dark space in the womb and in this womb there's not just you and your mom working there is a magical ancient infinite all-knowing uh guide that is a part of you because you're you know your father's sperm and your mother's egg come together but there's another force that brings a spark to that that lets life take place and that spark is it's the mixture of your soul and your divinity that says okay this sperm and this egg are going to make a human <laughs> right wow. so maybe it's yeah. divinity first and your soul comes in later who knows exactly what the timing <laughs> is of that right but, but there's there's a life force that allows for that to happen and then your body holds from the moment that that sperm and that egg and that flash of light, if you want to hear a cool story about that, I'll share, meet your body, those cells hold the codes of how to multiply mm -hmm. into everything that's needed to make your human body. Okay, so they were doing these tests to figure out the viability of uh, embryo in in vitro studies. The scientists that were, the doctors that were working on this, they were looking in a very dark room and they realized that uh, one, uh, there's a lot more, but I'm giving you the short version. They realized that at the moment of conception, when the sperm and the egg met, there would be sometimes uh, no light, sometimes mm -hmm. a small flash of light, and sometimes a big flash of light. What they learned, you can find actual, like, this is a real legitimate scientific study. What they learned is that the larger the flash of light, the more viable that embryo would be to take life in the mother's womb. Oh my gosh. It sounds so fantastical, but I mean, it sounds so obvious, right? It's because that life force is this animating force that's not physical, but it, it animates the physical being. So it does seem like the more there is of that, the more actual light that would, that would generate at that magical moment. Yeah. And when you look at it that way, if that's inception, if that's the water's mm -hmm of cancer that's where we initiate life from part of what we're doing in cancer season is where we are returning to our essential most innocent and divine self infinite we are immortal we are there is that flash that is you that was there before the cells met it came to meet the cells there is a part of you that is non-physical that's yes. cancer season. That's what we're connecting to in cancer season. Wow, and you say it so, I mean, got me all, got me all tingly. <laughs> the way that you say it, because it, it's so true. And there is so much magic in life and to life and as life. And, you know, sometimes it just feels such a drudgery that we forget that. So I'm glad that there's a whole season that we get to remember that. Yeah. And then it's also what life force then also sustains you because it's mm -hmm. also, you know, the milk of the mother, that first source of sustenance. And so if we're looking at understanding ourselves during this time, it's like, what is my metaphorical mother's milk in this mm -hmm. life? And you look at what a baby is orienting to when they go to breastfeed, the baby Sure, they're all, they're looking for for 
food, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of nourishment, but they're also often looking for comfort. They're looking mm-hmm. for safety. If kids get scared or if they're unsure, they're in a new environment that they are not kids, babies, they often want to go to the breast. And I think of my grandmother, she passed away when I was seven, like being snuggled into her giant boobies was like my safe place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's something about uh-huh. that, that sweet spot right there, you know? Um, and so then we use that metaphorically is like, where, wh- like, what is your metaphorical safe boobies to snuggle into? And what is, mm-hmm. what are you drinking? What life force do you need to be drinking in order to know that you are safe and that you are loved and that you are accepted? If not only just for yourself or from yourself, like you brought in. And so I always like to use cancer season as an opportunity for like a little PSA for all the um, uh, humans that have breasts to do mm-hmm. a breast check, like just feel them, like feel for lumps and do your breast massage and get some nice oils and get into your your boobs. And then also it's a reminder, maybe you need to have a, a pap smear or, you know, check in with your womb health and and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your own physical health in that area of your body, because this area of the body during um, cancer season, we have a greater opportunity to heal anything that is needing healing during this time. Now, for those that aren't in a female gendered body or maybe gendered sex, if the sex of the body, uh, the body doesn't have a uterus, we can look at the belly in general. Mm -hmm. You can look at the like everything in the belly, you can look at. Um, I mean, gut health really goes in Virgo season more so than than uh, Cancer season. You can just look at your overall belly. Like, how do you, how do you feel in your belly and your breasts? The animal that we see representing Cancer is a crab, mm-hmm. and when you think of that crab, it's all about having a safe space, right? Like the crab True. is yeah. a little animal with. I like to think of a hermit crab. I relate mm-hmm. more to a hermit crab than a regular crab <laughs> because <laughs> we we use our house as our exoskeleton, uh-huh. right? And so cancer also starts to take into account all matters of the home. Okay. So how how is everybody that's cohabiting relating with each other? And is the home a safe place where you can when the world is cruel and tough that you can all fall apart and are the people that you keep in your home safe mm-hmm. and if they aren't what are we going to do about that and you know these are just some good questions for cancer season and sometimes that means tough conversations just like that tough love that a that a mama gives and sometimes that means I mean, everybody's in different stages of life. You know, if you think of roommates, sometimes you just need a roommate. (laughs) Sometimes you don't have a roommate and you need to find a roommate. And sometimes it's about a romantic relationship or a fizzled relationship. Or sometimes it's like a single parent with a child or an empty nester or whatever. You know, there's so many different ways that we hold home. It's looking at how we can nurture the relationships within our home and create it as a safe place for you to emote because cancer as a water sign is the first really emotional sign. Oh, interesting. Okay. How does the energy of the cancer season this year really support us in this? Because when we were talking in our last podcast about Gemini, you gave us a teaser about 
Jupiter going retrograde and all of these planets that were going to be going retrograde as we entered into this, this season, to me, it sounds like, you know, really caretaking that deep part of us that needs to be nurtured so that we can support ourselves through the rest of the Zodiac. Yeah. So what I, just a little recap in Gemini season, uh, well, pre-Gemini season, Pluto station retrograde. In Gemini mm -hmm. season, Saturn station retrograde, then Mercury station retrograde. And then on the first day of Cancer season, we have Jupiter station retrograde. And then on the 25th of June, we have Neptune stationing retrograde. And so we're going to have five planets retrograde for the beginning of cancer season. Now, if you remember, I talked about Gemini season as where the nervous system, it works with the nervous system and how we're taking information into the world. And last uh, month when we talked, I said that the, the way that we uh, nurture our nervous system, it then signals the endocrine system and the endocrine system is more the domain of cancer. And so when we do, and Gemini is also the lungs. And so when we do our breath work or we do our perception work, or we do our listening work, or we do our unpacking of our belief systems work, or all of those things that we talked about in Gemini season, it actually sets the scene for what <laughs> happens in cancer season, because uh, the nervous system is telling the endocrine system how to like what kind of chemical cocktail to make. Okay. And so with all these planets retrograde, we are really turning the lens inward. We're looking at ourselves with Jupiter going retrograde in Pisces. And I also mentioned that the, the Mercury retrograde is a really good time to take care, to pay attention to our dreams. I forgot to mention that Jupiter moves into Pisces, which is super dreamy. Jupiter stations retrograde on the first day of cancer season in Pisces. So it's mm -hmm. in a trine, a sign trine with the sun in cancer. So it's even more watery and more emotional. And Pisces is one of the most emotional signs where cancer is quite emotional, but it'll often keep it to itself. Or if you get to know a <laughs> cancer's emotions, you are very special because they're letting you inside their shell. And we, and cancer has a very slippery slope where they can maybe become a little bit um, codependent. Mm -hmm. I'm like, can I think of a nicer word to say? Not a nice word. It's just what it is. They can become codependent because they, the chances of cancer to start to lean into their support system to co-regulate their emotional uh, landscape grow quite high. And if we look at childhood development and adulthood expression mm -hmm. it's often the events that happen in that age of like three or four years old to seven or eight years old if we experience trauma during this time or big isolations or abuse that um dr gabor mate do you know his mm -hmm. work at all? i do yeah i love him oh, i love him too he talks about how addiction is a manifestation of unresolved childhood trauma and mm -hmm addiction we see in all of the water signs and in neptune neptune talks about it but when we look at that codependency if that goes unaddressed it is super easy to codependency to turn into some form of addiction and okay. so this is a bit of the shadow side and the way mm -hmm. that we the way that we 
um, meet that is with is with really beautiful and firm boundaries, which is the opposite of cancer is Capricorn. Mm -hmm. Capricorn is systems and structures and boundaries and it's ruled by Saturn, right? And so Saturn mm -hmm. and Capricorn, Capricorn actually sets the foundation of the home, the structure of the home, the walls of the home. It has the lock on the door of the home. And then cancer is what happens inside of that home. So part of the way that we help cancer to feel safe is we have the structure of home so then they can be alone and process their emotions because they need, all water signs need emotional processing time. They need quiet time. So I always yeah. laugh when a air sign and a water sign are together because the air they it's they really need to understand each other's emotional needs because an air sign needs to talk it out and a water sign needs to silence it out. <laughs> and to an okay. air sign that can be like the worst torture ever because they're like I just need to talk <laughs> about it and the water sign is like stop talking to me. I'm going to say things I don't want to say. I need you to give me my space. I'll come back when I'm ready. So the first full moon is um, in Capricorn. And I actually really like this year, the full moons happen before the new moons. But I like this for this year because there's so much upheaval and so many people have anxiety and we're dealing with pressures that we've never dealt with before. And mm -hmm. we're dealing with, you know, just so much unknown. The fact that the full moon in Capricorn comes before we get super vulnerable with the cancer new moon is so nice because we're doing our boundary work first. And that's what this is about. It's like, what is your boundary work? Like, do you got to block some people on your social media? You got to switch the channel. <laughs> do you have to say, hey, your gift of anger is not welcome in my home anymore? Do you have to say, mm -hmm. I'm not interested in arguing with you about this topic any longer? You know, like we can set some really good boundaries that then create that safety so that we can feel because the other side of this cancer is that like what is stronger than a mama's intuition but we need time to feel it and that means that we have to feel our emotion all the way through to the end of emptiness and in that void mm -hmm. that is our strongest connection to intuition that you could ever imagine so this cat capricorn full moon it's so lovely the challenge with it i would say would be pluto is opposite venus and so it's really challenging our relationships and there might be some challenge to our harmony but that's only going to be the motivation to set those boundaries that will serve us great like serve us very well in the long term so is this the boundary setting is it always with the with the external things like the outside of the house or is this also applicable to looking within because we talked about this a lot last time and setting your boundaries with yourself. Yes, absolutely. Like, and I would look as thematically, I would look at what boundaries do you need to set in order for you to be able to stay in your inner authority instead mm. of being washed around by the waves of, I don't know, we'll say social media yelling at you. <laughs> do you have to speak up on this topic? It's like, <clears throat> do you need to put a boundary there? Do you need to put a boundary on your social media use? Do you need to put a boundary on information consumption? Do you need to put it, you know, like, do you need to put a boundary on your procrastination? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, do you need to finally be like, no, I am going to commit to this type of discipline because it could be boundary or it, was, it could be boundary or it could be discipline. Have you been slacking? 
<laughs> you know, have you been a little bit lazy? Have you been enjoying summer a little bit too much and you forgot to brush your teeth at night and you need to get back in the discipline of brushing your teeth at night? I mean, you think about it developmentally, that's the age at which you really do need to learn your own personal inner discipline so that you can be in community with other people and not be like a little giant little baby tyrant. So yeah. it, it's, there's a lot of that, that interdiscipline learning between that three and three and eight years old. And then when you think about it, it really is how you learn how to be in the world and how you learn to be who you are in the world and to be in relationship in the world. So there's a lot of the inner and the outer, but that safe place to be yourself too, that um, it seems like sometimes we, we don't pay as much attention to as perhaps we should. Exactly. And then right after the full moon, Neptune stations retrograde. So that there now we have five planets retrograde, <laughs> which is nice. I actually really appreciate all these retrograde planets because mm -hmm. you could just press pause, just be like, I'm just going to take a time out right now, a self-induced time out, or I'm going to take some time for me, give yourself an opportunity to self-regulate a little bit more. It's nice this whole year we don't have Venus or Mars going retrograde. Those two okay. can be really challenging. Mercury okay. goes retrograde three or four times a year. Jupiter goes retrograde every year. Saturn goes retrograde oh. every year and a half-ish. Okay. It's hard to say exactly a time because it's, it's a year and a half to two years we'll see a Saturn retrograde. And then okay. when you get further out, it's less, it becomes more consistent, but less impactful. So at the, on July 1st, mm -hmm. we have Mars opposite Saturn. So Mars is in Cancer, or sorry, Mars is in Leo and Saturn is in Aquarius. And this can, this can be a really interesting, I, I was just, I always do a, I always have a chat with uh, Nadia who works with me over at Attune to the Moon and we go through the astrology and we were going back and forth about what Mars and Leo feels like. And I was like, it's mm -hmm. loud. And she's like, I really like Mars and Leo though. And I was like, yeah, I really <laughs> like Mars and Leo, but this is like everybody's centering their own passion. Like my passion's the most important. And oh. it's sitting opposite Saturn and Saturn's saying like, put a lid on it. <laughs> Saturn's like, chill, <laughs> you know? And so this is interesting. It could, it might feel like that little kid for the first time being disciplined of, hey, you can't be the center of attention all the time. There's 12 other kids in your class. You got to be quiet and let the other kids speak or you have to be quiet and let the teacher speak. And it's that first like reprimanding mm -hmm. of your creative expression that mm -hmm. could re-emerge during this opposition, which is kind of interesting when you think about it because a lot of people in this world have held back their creative expression or their authentic self or what they really want to say or what they really want to do in life. And Saturn is like, it's like those little windy cars where you pull them back and it says, no, you're not going to go, but then you let it go. And the uh -huh. car like wheels across the ground so quickly. And so if we play this one, right, we can pull back and be like, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't talk about that. Or maybe I shouldn't be so vocal on this one thing, but I really want this to get out into the world. And so you let the car zoom on that particular topic. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. And it's a nice way that you talk about that. Uh, and I think too, that this whole creative expression, like I think one of the things that we learn with creative expression, like your example of, of a kid in school, a very expressive kid in school, learning how 
there's other kids in school that also need to express is that that tempering, I suppose it would be with Saturn of understanding like our creative expression and how it arises in us and then how and respecting that in everybody else because when it's arising in you it feels like it's the most important thing in the world and so we've been in this this place where everybody's expressing like everybody's expressing in every possible moment of every day as loud as they can in many ways uh, without listening which is what we talked about last time so finding that balance between being being receptive and being creatively receptive and being creatively expressive because they both feed with each other and work with each other. And you can't have the expressive without having the um, receptive to balance it out as well, especially in community. Yeah, I love that. And we all have to learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah. And how that lesson gets learned creates an imprint in us. Mm-hmm. And some people, some kids have an easier time learning that lesson than others, depending on yeah. their need for expression or to be seen or to be heard or you know some kids like to be the center of attention and some kids would rather just lay back and be dreamy and watch the show and so it plays out differently oh yeah well i was thinking about it with adults oh well yeah, <laughs> all of okay. us all of us in our you know continuing childhood um these days so so i was i was actually thinking about it in terms of adults but we learned that as kids but i think in in, in adults um uh, is where we really can now take advantage of the season and, and look at where have I been like, where have I been in transmit? Where have I been in expression? Where maybe I can actually pause for a little bit and be in some reception in order to express more appropriately or more concisely like you were talking about or in a particular direction um, and begin to, to really look at the balance between expression and reception because we, we don't tend to talk much about reception but we do certainly um, everybody likes to express and then how about that that human regardless of age that is speaking 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 and nobody's hearing them and they're like i'm not being heard and it's like but you just talk non-stop you don't say anything (laughs) and so this is an opportunity to pull in and be like what really matters to me yeah and then we have a couple other kind of challenging um aspects on the 4th of July. So we have Mars square Uranus. Same day, we have the Sun square Chiron. And then we have Venus sextile the North Node, which comes in with a bit of a save. So I'll explain that. So in, in Gemini season, we talked about Uranus. And Uranus is a planet of new technologies that have electricity running through it. Uranus hmm. governs Kundalini energy and awakening. Tyranny and dictatorship and like really harsh control. Yeah, so it's different, but you can also see how that fits. Like if you, if somebody's going for like going for a Kundalini uh, awakening experience, it Mm -hmm. requires control and discipline and like they have to really work and get all the things right in order. And so they're controlling a whole bunch of things to have this Kundalini awakening experience. Or there's the opposite side of that. That's like a spontaneous, uh, lifting of Kundalini energy because circumstances just end up being right. And Kundalini energy has a time of ripeness. In astrology, around 42 years old, Kundalini energy moves easier. So, and that's the same thing with, um, and it's because it's a Uranus opposition. So, where Uranus is in your chart and mm-hmm. where Uranus is in the sky, they're exactly opposite each other. And so that okay. creates this opportunity for Kundalini to move really easily in your spine. 
Now, Uranus mm. also governs the nervous system because we are, our body is a technology and ner the nervous system is where our electricity is conducted in our body. Uranus can sometimes be shocking or spontaneous or it can cause upheaval. And so it's squaring Mars and Mars, we ta I talked about it, is, being, is in Leo. And so we've got this like awakening energy squaring our expressive energy. I'm a little bit excited for this actually because not all squares are bad. And when I look at the bigger picture of astrology, I mean, forget astrology, just look at society. We need something to break the tension and it could get broken through softening, which I don't particularly see, or it could, uh, attention could break through um, like a battle, you know, we could finally just go at it. <laughs> but I think this one, I think this could could potentially bring forth some leadership. Now, that leadership, because Leo is leadership, there might be some tension between leadership that like causes a bit, a little bit of break of a of a break in the tension. That all of a sudden there's a breakthrough, because this this um, Uranus and Taurus is all about the breakthrough. It's all about the breakthrough. Hmm. We can look at it from like it's actually a signature of earthquakes. <laughs> There's lots of signature and earthquakes that never right. translate into a physical earthquake on the planet, but you can think of like, what does an earthquake do? It relieves pressure, right? It's like, yeah. Pressures. Well, and July 4th in the United States is, is our independence day. Exactly. It's the, so it, that, that sounds like a, a day that can have a lot of fireworks that day and a lot of different levels. So that should yeah. be interesting. I think there's going to be a big release. I think Americans put a lot of pressure on the 4th of July being a big celebratory day, I think with, you know, there was some, I forget which politician, they were like, we'll be open by the 4th of July, or I don't know, I forget what it was, but I think there's some expectation for mm -hmm. some freedom on that day. And I think people will take liberties, whether it's granted or not, you know? Yeah. And then that comes right in because the sun square Chiron is like people taking action on their wounds done with lockdown I'm going out and partying or you know I just think that we're gonna see something very interesting happening on and around the beginning of July and also I think it might be help I think it might I don't I'm not leaning towards doomsday I'm leaning towards this is gonna be a good release because the sun is sextile Uranus the very next day and sextiles are favorable energies. So that means like our radiance and our self-expression and our, and like our soul shine is being um, assisted through this Uranian energy. To me, it feels good. I'm not scared of this one. Yeah. But it reminds me, you know, like when you, when you have a really big breakthrough, like the, the moment of the breakthrough is like this drama filled, even if it's a great breakthrough, there's this big release and there's drama and there's emotion and there's, you know, the old stuff and this new stuff. It's like everything's happening at one time. And then once it calms down, like then you've got, then, then that transformation is in process and is happening. But it sounds like, you know, there's a really interesting sort of flashpoint and then the release and the kind of coming, bringing it into something that's, that's landing on the positive versus landing on the negative at the end of that. Yeah, that's what I'm holding that image in my head. And if all of you guys that are listening can also hold that image in your head. Yes, please. You know, well, in our hearts, maybe is a better place to put it. But yeah. Um, and then we have Mercury square Neptune again. We just had that in Gemini season, but because Mercury is traveling backwards and now it's traveling forwards. Oh, I forgot to say that. But right um, after on the 22nd, we have Mercury station direct. 
Mm-hmm. So we have that energy coming back around again. It's that dreamy, communicative, psychic energy. And then we have Chiron, which was square on the fourth. It's now in favorable energy with our relationship. So I'm hoping there's like a little bit of compassion, more listening. We're still in that restraint of before it was um, Pluto and Venus opposite mm-hmm. each other. Now it's Saturn and Venus opposite each other. So we're getting a little bit more mature in our relating with each other. And then we have Venus and and um, Uranus. They're going to square each other. So it's like a little bit more mature and then a little bit of tension. But now can we hold the charge? And if we've done all of our work of like sitting in opposition and sitting in that discomfort and learning how to listen, and if we've dismantled some of our belief systems, and if we've, you know, if we've done our good work, I think this could actually just continue blowing off a little bit of this steam so that by the time we get to the Cancer New Moon, which depending on where you are in the world, it's either going to be on the 9th or the 10th, the Cancer New Moon, hopefully we can just be better at like mothering each other, you know, nurturing Mm. each other, being more empathetic and compassionate with each other and be like, I'm kind of hoping that what happens is those relationships that really mean a lot to you that became victims of the divide, (laughs) that we can have some repair. Cousin, I love you so much. I'm so sorry. I know we see this differently, but I love you. I've known you since I was born. Let's get over this and remember that first. Or, you know, like maybe there's an opportunity for repair in this one. Maybe not, but maybe. (laughs) Well, it it also is a, it's people's choices. So if the opportunity is there. And so if you choose the opportunity, you know, when, as the, the energies are supporting that you're much more likely to be successful in that and to move forward with that than um, if then maybe other times but you know people are free to to not do that as well but I do hope collectively we come to um, a place where we're more able have a little more distance from our own emotions and a little bit more able to play nicely together in our common space well, I don't foresee distance in our emotions because it's cancer season and it's okay. super emotional. But what I see <laughs> is like the blowing off of some steam. Okay. You know, I see like an opportunity for some tension release that would like, have you ever been in an argument with somebody and then somebody they're like, but I really like you. And then it's like, oh, you really like me? And it and it like <laughs> you're fighting and fighting and fighting. And then it's like, but I like you. And I'm sorry. And it's still got a little bit of an intensity to it, but you're starting to recognize like it doesn't, I, but there's underneath here is a great love or great respect or whatever it is. Right. And then just after that, Gemini or um, Mercury finally leaves Gemini on the 11th and moves into cancer, which will make our communication more loving. So that's like, Mm -hmm. we're leading to this. It's like perspective shifting, coming together, blowing off some steam, and then our Mercury goes into Cancer, and hopefully we can enjoy the sunshine and get outside in nature, float in the ocean, or gather around the pool, or whatever it is. And then, you know, as we carry forward to um, Leo season, almost all the astrology, with the exception of one that I'll share with you, is Mm -hmm. all favorable our relationships, our communication, what we're learning, even coming together in like the passion and the desires and, you know, the like Venus and Mars, they come together in a conjunction. So it's like they have a little 
they have a little conference call up in the sky, cosmic conference call. And they're like, okay, what do you need? Okay, okay, okay. Let's figure out how to get this along. Let's reset our cycle. I know it's been a little bit rough. Mars had a lot of time in Aries, a lot of fighting energy, a lot of battling energy, but it's an opportunity on the 13th of July to reset that cycle. The challenge that I see is on the 17th of July, we have the sun opposite Pluto. And so it's like this ego death. So what do we do? How do we show up in an <laughs> ego death? And then shortly after that, the Mercury is square Chiron. So then it's like, well, how are you going to communicate about that? <laughs> are you going to own your part in it? Or are you going to project? And so again, it's like, it's always a choose your own adventure novel. It really is. But, you know, as you say, and as you lay out, if you're doing your work along the way, you know, you can minimize the, the bumps and really take advantage of the, of the the good things and the, you know, the wonderful views and the expansive emotions and the connections and things without having to be kind of at the mercy of the energies, you can actually use them in ways that are most healing and beneficial for you. Yeah. And imagine if we had more people paying attention to the astrology and you're like, oh no, cancer season is the time when we learn to love ourselves better and we learn to nurture ourselves better and we need less from others because we're feeding ourselves. You know, if we were collectively working on that. Knowing when things are going to be rough, like, you know, because we get, we have these different points in time where tempers and, and things are in opposition and they're flaring and things, but to to know that and say, okay, well, I'm feeling this. And so, you know, of course it feels like, you know, it's the most important thing in the world to scream your truth in one form or another, but to realize that that part of that is the energies flowing through you that are part of the astrological energies, so the impersonal energies that we experience personally. And so to be able to say, oh, okay, so uh, if I'm feeling really strong emotions on these at this particular time, it may be because this is the energy of the moment and I can choose to recognize that and not have to act on those in the same way I might if I was unconscious of these energies flowing through me. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can use this to begin to understand like, you know, where you might be triggered and, and what, what constellation of energies are the ones that that really get to you and to be able to, you know, depersonalize it a little bit and say, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really angry right now, but I know a lot of this is just the energy flowing through me. So I'm just going to choose to, you know, go to the beach in my mind for a while. And yeah. then I'll come back to this in a few days. And, and then it probably wouldn't have nearly char the charge. Exactly. It helps us understand the impermanence of it. Yeah. And that we're going through these things collectively too. So, and everybody has their own astrology as well. So we've got these big collective things, everybody's got their personal stuff. And it's all of these things that are moving together. And, and yeah, having a little bit more understanding about what we're moving through together, um, I think could be really helpful. So uh, maybe we need a, an astrologer in like every government in the world. So. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take the job. I'll do that job. Actually, I want nothing to do with politics. But no, I know what I you mean. I was it would just be very helpful. <laughs> It would, or to have some, you know, have it on the stage somewhere about, and I know there's people all over YouTube and things doing this, but, but to really be tapped into like what's happening. Cause it, it's so, it's so accurate when it comes to conflicts between countries and, you know, things that are happening, like the lockdowns and the, the virus and things like that. It, it, it expresses itself and it shows itself 
very accurately. And mm -hmm. when you can understand that those these things aren't always random, that there are, you know, there's some behind the scenes energies, it might be easier for everybody to kind of take a, a deep breath and say, well, how do we ride these energies in the most productive way possible? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then we're done. That's that's um, the end of cancer season. Well, that sounds like a, a fun and interesting season. And I'm really liking the call to what you said in the very beginning about really nurturing yourself, mothering yourself, reparenting yourself about, you know, recognizing where those wounds that you have are and um, to, to come at them in a different, more nourishing way rather than living them out again and again. Um, because it really is, I mean, everybody does this. Everybody gets parented, hopefully. And everybody has to reparent themselves because I think that's just how we're built as humans. If everything was perfect, we wouldn't really develop and grow. We kind of develop because of we have challenges. And so uh, one of the ways that we can work with those challenges is to go back and, and nurture those parts of us that felt that, that took the brunt of those challenges at the time that we probably didn't have any of the skill set to be able to navigate those challenges with any kind of finesse at all. That's right. Yeah. It's the adversity that makes us stronger. We got to mm -hmm. find it. Yeah. All right, Jenna. So is there any last little things you want to say about cancer season before we wrap up? I think just to really take it seriously and, and give yourself what you need, like just the, the act of being self-aware enough to be able to identify your own needs and then to do something about it. Like if that was the only thing you focused upon, that would be a good thing. Well, that sounds like a worthy focus. All right, well, thank you so much. And you can find um, Jenna's links and ways to contact her at um, conversationsfromtheedge.net, including the uh, her website, Attuned to the Moon, and a 50% off code for the Expander Pass, which um, is gives you the astronidras and all kinds of amazing things in there. So check that out. And join us um, next month when we talk about Leo season. Any any tidbits to, to tease a us teaser? with? Yeah. yeah, well, Leo is Leo lives in the spine and the heart, and it's all about play and discovering your authentic self. So we'll we'll dive in a little deeper to that. All right. Well, thank you so much for for this conversation now, and I look forward to talking with you about Leo coming up soon. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This is your host, Christine Madeira. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation from the edge of consciousness. You can find all our conversations at conversationsfromtheedge.net. You'll also find links to schedule a private conversation with me or any of my friends, as well as tools to help you expand your own consciousness and explore what's possible for you outside the boundaries of your current perceptions. Feel free to use this podcast to start your own conversation by sharing it with friends, on social media, in your blog, or even in your own podcast. And as always, Live the adventure of pushing your own edge. It's the most amazing adventure there is.